Welcome to GovInnovator, I'm Andy Feldman. The topic today is the potential for intensive, individualized two-on-one math tutoring to significantly improve the schooling outcomes of disadvantaged high school students. Our guest is Jonathan Gurian from Northwestern University. He's a co-researcher of a large-scale randomized control trial that adds important evidence to this topic. Here's a clip. We estimate that the effect of participating in the program led to an extra one to two years of math learning in a year above and beyond what the typical student learns, which seemed pretty remarkable. While improving schooling outcomes of disadvantaged youth is a top policy priority in the U.S., few interventions have produced convincing evidence that they can improve those outcomes, especially for adolescent youth, which is an age at which socially costly outcomes, like high school dropout, occur. As a result, it may be conventional wisdom that by adolescence, it's too late and too costly to improve academic outcomes of children in poverty. A new study suggests that this conventional wisdom is wrong. It uses a randomized control trial to examine the effects of intensive individualized instruction in math among 9th and 10th graders in 12 Chicago public schools. To learn more, we're joined by one of the study's nine authors, Jonathan Gurian. He's a professor of human development and social policy at Northwestern and a fellow at Northwestern's Institute for Policy Research. Jonathan, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Start us off, if you would, by giving us an overview of the intervention. This is two-on-one math tutoring. That's correct. So it's, it's in school, which is important. There's a lot of math tutoring that happens that would be after school. One distinction here is that it's in school, and it's two-on-one, meaning that each tutor tutors two kids, and it's every day for the entire school year. To picture it, you walk into a classroom in a, in a high school. You see 11 tables, and at each table, there's one tutor and two kids. And the kids who are in the program, they work with that tutor every day for the entire school year. One way to think about it is it it allows individualization of instruction. So the one problem it's designed to, to solve is that if you walked into a typical ninth or 10th grade class, there's a lot of variation in the level of knowledge kids have. And so that makes uh, it very difficult for if you're a kid sitting in the in the classroom and there's one teacher and say 30 kids in the classroom and the teacher's teaching it ninth grade level and the kid is kid's math knowledge is at the say fifth grade level that is a difficult problem for the kid but it's also a difficult problem for the teacher and so this two-on-one ratio of the tutors allows the tutors to work with the kids at the level that they're at um, and it also allows the kids to progress as fast as they're able over the course of the year that makes sense why 11 tables by the way yeah, that's how many fit in a, in a typical classroom. You have those tables and you need some room for a, a, what they call a site director. Got it. Jonathan, next, tell us about the study design and also what was the status quo for kids who weren't part of the intervention? In other words, what services were already available in the community and how was the intervention different from that? So in, in the study that we did, you know, we set it up as a, as a randomized controlled trial, which means that we, we picked the kids along with the Chicago Public Schools that would be eligible for the program. Uh, there wasn't enough funding to be able to serve all of them. And so then we selected randomly uh, using a fair lottery which kids would be offered the chance to participate. The kids who were, uh, were not offered the chance to participate, they got all of the status quo services that you would have um, in the normal course of uh, being a Chicago public school student in the schools we were we were in, all the kids in the study participated in the regular math class, and the tutoring was in in addition to that. 
And so uh, it is true that there is some tutoring services available uh, for kids uh, as a part of uh, Title I supplemental educational services programs. Typically, those tend to happen after school. So there, there wouldn't have been in-school tutoring. But I would say that for the typical kid, the status quo would be to have the regular math class, have the regular classes. Most of them would not have participated in tutoring. And just a methodological note, this is randomization by individual. It's not randomizing whole classes. Exactly. Randomization by individual within grade, within school. Mm-hmm. Got it. So next, tell us about the results. Sure. So as I said, we set this up as a randomized control trial, which allows us to use the randomization to create two groups of kids, one that was offered the program and another that wasn't, who are determined just by the fact that one got heads and the other got tails. And what we find when we compare them is that we estimate that the effect of participating in the program led to an extra one to two years of math learning in a year above and beyond what the typical student learns, which seemed pretty remarkable. We didn't find any effects on reading test scores, uh, but we did find positive effects on other academic outcomes. So, so the kids in the program group were about half as likely to fail their math course. And the, the chances that they failed another non-math course was reduced by about a quarter. And their grades increased in both math and non-math courses as a result of participating in the program. So, Jonathan, these are very strong results, but some listeners may be thinking, this sounds really effective, but how could we find the money or the skilled tutors to scale up an intervention that requires a ratio of one tutor for every two students? What's your perspective on that in terms of costs and staffing? I think that's a great question. And I should mention the program that we studied was developed by uh, an organization called Match Education, which is a charter school in Boston and is now being delivered by an organization uh, called Saga Innovations. And my thinking is that it's maybe not that much of an insight to say that individualized tutoring is an effective way to help kids learn. That probably won't be surprising to most people. So I think the innovation and maybe the insight that Match Education had and that Saga Innovations is running with is that there may be a way to do individualized instruction of this type at a reasonable cost. What they realized is that the job of being a tutor in a situation like this or a setup like this is vastly simplified relative to the job of being a classroom teacher. So the tutors don't have to write a lesson plan. They're working with two students instead of 20 to 30 or 35, so they don't have to deal with classroom management. And so the set of people who are able to do the job of being a tutor relative to a teacher is is greatly increased. And that means that Saga Innovations is able to attract really talented effective people to the job at salaries that are significantly lower than they would if they had to hire a classroom teacher for every two students. You know, we estimate during the year when we did the study, the per student cost is in the range of about thirty-five dollars to $3,800. That's still a lot. It's not anywhere near what you would need if you had to hire a, a one teacher for every two students. And we estimate that, you know, if this were done on a larger scale, uh, the cost could be brought down to somewhere between $2,500 and $3,000 per kid. Jonathan, last question. Tell us about your takeaways from this research, why you think it's important. Obviously, you've touched on some of the reasons already, the efficacy of two-on-one tutoring, the fact that the costs can be relatively reasonable, especially if you scaled it up. But give us your kind of concluding thoughts on why this is important. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there, there are several reasons. One is it comes back to the question you sort of introduced the conversation with, which was about some people's belief that maybe it's too late to help adolescent kids, particularly disadvantaged adolescent kids who have fallen behind. So I think what we learn is that that's too pessimistic, that uh, for kids who are, you know, several grades behind by the time they're in ninth and 10th grade, that there are things that we can do to intervene with them and help them catch back up and that, that it's not too late by the time they're adolescents. Another is that, you know, this particular program, you know, that it, it seems to be quite effective and quite cost effective. I, I know we talked about the cost, but we've done some calculations to compare the, the costs to benefits from improved test scores and the long-term outcomes that go along with that. And the, you know, we estimate that the benefits outweigh the cost by a significant margin. So it feels like there's a, an opportunity here to try and narrow achievement gaps that go along racial lines and uh, economic lines uh, and to try and reduce inequalities in schools that have been, you know, the focus of policymakers for a long time, but uh, have been a frustration also. So finding something that seems promising, even at, you know, the scale of a, a thousand kids uh, is, you know, at least makes me op optimistic about the possibility of uh, being able to maybe make a difference for many, many more kids and narrow those gaps. I know many of us will be following as it's hopefully scaled up in more places and we continue to learn more about something that has a lot of promise behind it. Jonathan, thanks for being with us. Thanks. Good to be with you too.